I wonder if I asked you, what is the longest English word you know? Uh, what would you say? Um, and are you confident enough that, to say that the longest English word that you know is the longest English word? Why not uh, turn just for a second uh, to, the, to the person if you're with someone uh, and tell them the longest English word that you know? And then who won? Um, yeah, who got the longest English word? You know, I wonder if many of you would have said the word anti-destabilitarianism, 28 letters. And I'm sure quite a few of you will have said that and been confident enough with that as an answer that you just locked it in as the answer to the longest English word. But did you know that the, the longest English word is numinal ultramacroscopic silicovolcano coniosis, which is 45 letters long. And the second longest English word is pseudopsidal hypopathoidism, which is 30 letters. And then you get flossinosin hilipolification, 29. And then you get anti-destabilitarianism. So it's fourth. And maybe you're sat there thinking there is nothing worse than long words and saying, what is the point in learning these long words? Well, in answer to the words above and before, there was absolutely no point to them. But I, I remember doing my GCSEs. And we were sat in the classroom and it was only a few days until the exam, one or two days before it. Uh, and I was sat there and instead of revising, I was learning these long words. And my biology teacher, Miss Newell, came over to the table and said, Nathaniel, it's your revision time and your exam. So I'm not going to say anything, but you'll kick yourself if you miss your A star by a few marks because you were sat here learning long words instead of biology. Uh, and I can tell you that I did end up kicking myself because I missed my A star by three marks. Uh, but I always tell myself it was worth it. Uh, and that's how I get to sleep at night. <laughs> but you know, the Bible has some long words in it. Uh, words that might seem complex, words that we might think are a little boring, words that we might sort of swiftly move on by if we were reading the Bible. Um, let's get past that word. We might have an attempt at the word, but then quickly move on by. Words such as propitiation, uh, redemption, justification, reconciliation, regeneration, sanctification, all of these words which have shun on the end are the words we tend to swiftly move on by um, because we don't fully understand them. But the thing is, is these words in the Bible are not words that are meant to confuse us. They aren't meant to be complex, but actually they are meant to make reading the Bible easier and more understandable. You see, these words are meant to put a picture in your head as you, as you read them. They're meant to prompt you in your way of thinking as you read through the Bible. You see, there's the proverb, isn't there? That a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's so true. And, and God, who created us, he knows that we understand better if he gives us a picture and not a PhD thesis. 
But we still have the question, is there any worth to learning these words? And, and the answer is yes. In fact, we want to know these words because they give us a greater understanding of what the Bible is telling us. And so as we come to these words, we, we want to know them so that we might be like almost a car fanatic, but about Jesus' death on the cross. You see, I could ask my mum, what car do you have? And she would just turn to me and say, oh, I've got a nice silver one. Um, but then I could ask myself, what car do I have or, or did have? Uh, and I might say, a Ford Focus. But then I could ask one of my car fanatics of a friend, what car do you have? And instead of them just telling me, they, they might even show me, uh, they might drag me outside to the car. And they'll open up the bonnet and, and everything else to show me the car. And the reason is because they don't just appreciate cars from the, the quick first glance you have. But they really appreciate and consider the workmanship that's gone into the car. They really consider and appreciate everything beneath the bonnet. And that's exactly what we want to be like with the cross, with Jesus' death on the cross. The whole purpose of looking at these words is that we might gain, all of us, a, a greater appreciation and a deeper understanding of just what God in his love has done for us at the cross. And so today we are going to look at two words. We're, we're going to look at the words justification and we're going to look at the words reconciliation. Two great words and hopefully these words will give us that understanding that we really want so that we'll say wow <laughs> to what God did at the cross. And so we want to start by coming to the cross and examining the cross. So let's just read one account um, from John chapter 19. It's verses 17 onwards. So if we just read that now. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross to read Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, 
were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop bunch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. That these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again... Another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. It's a beautiful bit of writing on the account of Jesus' final moments before he died. But at the same time, it can appear so dark and, and gloomy of a moment. But this moment, it, it just shines throughout history, brighter than any other moment. And then final words... It is finished. They make us want to go further than just a quick glance at the cross. But really make us want to go deeper and question what was finished. Was this simply a remark about his life being over? Or was it a remark about something being just brought to completion? And if so, what? Well, let's start uh, by examining the cross first. We want to look at what was accomplished at the cross. And what better day to examine the cross on than Palm Sunday, the historical week just leading up to the crucifixion. So if you've got a Bible, uh, then turn to the book of Romans 5 with me. And we're going to read just, just Romans 5, verse 1 to start with. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Well, here's the first accomplishment of the cross justification. And when we come to justification, we want to straight away be picturing in our heads that, that 
courtroom scene. So whether you're picturing an episode from Suits, or, or Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, or Tom Cruise and a few good men with that famous quote, you can't handle the truth. Whichever it is that you are playing out in your head, what you need to do when you read this word is picture that courtroom as the court session is coming towards the end and a judgment will be made. A declaration will be made either guilty or not guilty. Guilty meaning condemned and not guilty meaning justified. You see, that's simply it. It's justification is the declaration of being not guilty and declared to be righteous, meaning to meet the standard of God. And we need to understand that we become justified by putting our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. This is the key to understanding how God saves us. This is what it says in verse 1. Justification by faith. Because faith is the key. However, the Bible teacher, John Stott, he reminds us, it's he says, faith has absolutely no value in itself. Its value lies solely in its object. You see, the value comes from looking to the object of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the person who we have faith in. Faith's sufficiency comes, therefore, from looking to the cross and what it accomplished, Faith's effectiveness comes from understanding it and then reaching out and taking hold of what was accomplished. So what was accomplished? Well, justification was one of the things accomplished. God declaring us to be right with him because he declares us righteous. He says, trust in me and all will be forgiven. And I will see you as perfect as Jesus. John Stott also says justification is a legal declaration that the sinner has been put right with God, forgiven and reinstated. And we, we don't want to miss this morning where our justification comes from. It comes from grace. We are justified because of God's grace. Grace is God's graciousness. His, his generous kindness towards us that we don't deserve. You know, we get in Romans 3.24, it says, justified by his grace as a gift. That's the beautiful thing, that we mess up in our week uh, and maybe something we did wrong was so bad that it causes us to be weighed down by guilt and shame. But no, while we are committing such dreadful acts, while we are doing these things in the week, God justified us freely and presented as a gift 
at present, well wrapped up for us to discover when we walk up to God's grace. Romans 5 verse 1 said, didn't it, we have been justified, past tense, don't miss it. It's so important that we don't miss the fact that justification is instantaneous. It's already been completed. God has declared us justified. He declared us justified at the cross to be right with him and free from conviction. And we receive all of this in the moment we put our trust in Jesus. Now, how mind-blowing is it? How mind-blowing it is to realise that justification, the basis of it, is Christ's death. Romans 5 verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. By his blood means by Jesus' death on the cross, we have been justified. You see, justification, God declaring us righteous, does not go against God being just. And God does not simply just, just wave the fine away, the, or wave the penalty for sin, as we might say. Uh, though we might think that sounds really nice at first, that God would just wave the fine and the penalty away and let us pass on by. It wouldn't be just and you wouldn't be happy if someone committed murder and then the judge just simply waved it away. No, no, no. A penalty must be paid. You can't just overlook a wrongdoing. When we are justified, it is not God declaring us to be good even though we are sinful, but he is legally declaring us to be free from any penalty, free from any fine for what we had done, because Jesus' death on the cross paid that price. He paid the price that needed to be paid. This is, as it was told in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53 verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, that's Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. And its fulfillment is shown in Jesus on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's why we sometimes explain justification by saying that because of Christ's death on the cross, it is as if when God looked at the cross and when he looks on us, he sees the perfectness of Jesus. But when he looked on Jesus at the cross, he saw all our sin and therefore poured out his wrath out on Jesus, who is God. God paid the fine for his creation because he loved us all so dearly. And, and the great news is that we can receive this amazing gift of justification by faith. 
It says it right there in verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith. And Romans 3 verse 28 says, For we hold that one is justified by faith. Romans 4 verse 5 says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Who does not work. Well, that doesn't mean unemployed. That means not trying to work your way into God's good list. Because it's pointless anyway. You see, Galatians 2 verse 16 says, By works of the law, no one will be justified. You see, only by faith can we be saved. We have a responsibility to respond to what God is offering us, the free gift of justification. We must respond. But in no way does it come down to our ability. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, grace and faith, they go hand in hand. The purpose of faith is to receive what grace has put on offer. So it's God's grace has put justification on offer. It is by faith that we accept it. And we want to accept it. It is so desirable. Just look in Romans 5 at the list of the blessings that we receive through the accomplishment of justification. The effect of justification is that we now have a certain hope. It's a hope that no one can take away. Romans 8 verses 33 to 34 say, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You see, not even you can undo God's act. Not even you can bring a reason against why you shouldn't be justified. No matter what we do, we have been justified and that won't change. No matter what you do in the week ahead of you, whatever you do, you are justified. And, and when we slip up, we know that we are forgiven. It doesn't mean we can continue just doing bad things as we go on through the week without a care in the world. No, but God's love should spur us on to become more like Jesus. But how God sees us is not dependent on what we do, but on what Jesus has done. 1 John verse Chapter 2, sorry, verse 1 says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. See, here's the image again of justification. Picture it again in your heads, okay? We're coming into the courtroom and Jesus is our amazing defense lawyer who stands up for us in the courtroom and he has, he has fought the case and he's won it. He won the case. 
and everything you've ever done and will do, it was, it was in that court case document. All the charges against you, every single one of them was brought up in that court case and every single one of them was dropped against you. Because we don't just have an amazing lawyer who fights our kids, but one who pays the cost also. And now, even verse 1 of Romans 5, we have, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 3 says, We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, now that we have been justified, we receive these blessings that come with being justified. And in total here, in Romans 5, there are six blessings. Or we could say six accomplishments of justification that are brought to our attention. Well, number one is we have peace with God. That's first one. Uh, and number two is we are standing in grace. Verse 2, it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. God goes further than allowing us to just temporarily be in that VIP area of grace, that place that we are unworthy to set foot in. God goes further and makes us able to say we stand in this grace. A permanent position in the grace of God. More than just God introducing us to his grace and then sending us out again, we get the greater privilege to be allowed to come in and receive God's grace and then stand in it. To stand in it constantly and not be removed from it, but instead forever living in it, forever living in God's grace. And number three, we rejoice in our hope of the glory of God. It's also said in verse 2, it is great to be able to rejoice in a hope. Not, not a worldly meaning of the word hope, one of uncertainty, but, but hope that means 100% certainty, a secure and steadfast hope in God. And then we come to number 4. We then get a long section here from verses 3 to 8 which tells us that one of our blessings is that we can also rejoice in the face of our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who He has been given to us. And we can rejoice in suffering when we consider the suffering of Christ as well as the love of God that has been shown to us. For while we were still weak, at that right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then number five, we shall be saved through Christ. That's verses nine to ten. And number six, we also rejoice in God. Verse eleven. 
But now, let's, let's read verse 10. Let's read verse 10 of Romans 5. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And verse 11, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So that, that brings us to our next word. We're arriving now at the second accomplishment of the cross. As we come to reconciliation, we, we moved from that last picture of the, of the courtroom. And now we've been brought into the comforts of our home in the presence of our Father. We might say that reconciliation, this accomplishment, is the most personal accomplishment of the cross. To reconcile means to restore a relationship. We were created to have a relationship with our Father, with God. But because of sin, which is like a virus on a computer, that that virus on the computer causes everything on the computer to become corrupted, and every process you try to do becomes corrupted. Well, just like that, sin in us corrupts everything we do, and we end up being in rebellion against God. We, we go against Him. We go away from Him. And as a result, this relationship, it just, it just breaks down. And we see it. We, we see the broken relationship with God just as much as we see a broken relationship in some of our past friendships. And maybe broken relationships that we might have with family members too. Just as if some person was to talk to a friend positively about maybe one of your friends was to come and talk to you about someone who you were no longer friends with then you might get annoyed and even resent your friend who talks so positively about the person who you distance yourself from. And we see this with God. We have a broken relationship, and instead of admitting we did wrong and went away from God, we would rather just cover it up as sin and, and shame. And instead, we even deny the existence of our Creator. And in resentment to God, we, we curse him and we blame him for all the sufferings going on in our lives. Instead of seeing mankind as the result and reason for suffering. But have faith. Have faith, don't we? Because Hebrews 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Justification comes first, and then reconciliation. We read it in Romans 5 verse 1. It said, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Because we have been justified, and God declares us to have a right standing with him, because Christ has paid the penalty that the judge required, now we can come home, and come home to our Father and be reconciled to him, and have peace with him. And, and how amazing the love of God is. It was the love of God that meant he took 
the initiative to justify us so that we might be declared to stand right before him. And it was the love of God that drove him to also reconcile himself back to us and to reconcile us back to him. And just like with justification, we see that reconciliation is also a completed act. It is done. God has completed it for you and me. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And we see that it was done through Christ. Man was the enemy of God. And God was the enemy of man. Man renounced God and expressed hatred towards him. And in response, God showed his wrath to us. Because by us rebelling against him, it was only right for God to show his wrath towards us. For God's wrath is against all ungodly ways. So God the Father reconciled himself to us. He reconciled himself to us by putting his wrath on himself through God the Son, who is Jesus. So he removed his wrath, the only thing holding him back from being able to reconcile himself to us. And now he holds out his hand, an offer of reconciliation, an offer to bring us back to him. And if I said to you, why won't you uh, go and say sorry and make it up with that person? You might very well reply, there's, there's absolutely no point. They won't accept my apology. They, they don't want to be friends anymore. But you see, here lies the fear of rejection. And you don't need to fear that because the great news is that we don't need to worry about that about being rejected by God because he went ahead and made the first move in reconciliation. It is now our responsibility to respond. God has fully completed and finished his work of reconciliation at the cross, but we need to respond and repent, turn from our ways and go back to God, say we're sorry and that we want a restored relationship with him. It's a beautiful thing to have, a relationship fully restored with our loving Father. There's, there's just nothing better, nothing so sweet as to have peace with the Father. And I want to just finish by just clarifying that we've only looked at, at two big words of the Bible, justification and reconciliation. And we, we need to be aware that these are only two images, two parts of how God makes us right with him that we've been presented with today. And there are many more. But you can see, can't you? You can see that this is not a fairy tale. The complexity of what was accomplished at the cross is far beyond any fairy tale and far beyond man. It is only God who could think up, plan it, and carry out such an amazing work that makes us stand back and say, wow, <laughs> oh, wow, to what he did. So if you are someone who has trusted in Jesus, do you come now 
with a greater appreciation that you are justified and you are reconciled. You have a relationship with the Almighty God and nothing will undo this. You are justified, you are reconciled and you will be forever. And for those who maybe haven't took a step and said, I believe and I want, I, I want what God is offering. Do you see now how all-wonderful and how all-powerful God really is? Don't you see that he has done a completed work? All that is left is for you to receive it. And all that is required is faith. So, so stretch out your hand and just take it. So that you can say, I am justified, I am reconciled, and I am loved. So as we go uh, into the week leading up to Easter, isn't it great that this week we can reflect on what the cross has done for us? And if you join us next week, then Joel Davies will be reminding us that Jesus didn't just die, but Jesus came back to life. So let's just finish with what's on the bottom of the, the handouts. Number one, well, knowing you are justified, change your outlook. Or will guilt continue to weigh you down? Will you condemn those who God has justified? Or remember that it is God who justifies and not you. And number two, how will knowing you have been reconciled back to God spare you on? Will you, will you go now and reconcile broken relationships with family and friends? Well, let our prayer be, thank you Lord, for the amazing words that teach me more about the cross. Thank you for declaring me justified. And thank you, Father, for reconciling me back to you. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say, if you have any questions about anything uh, spoken on today, then please do get in touch. If you want to contact privately, then you can get in touch via Regents website on the contact us page or email and also i really want to encourage you if you want to look more into what was accomplished at the cross then can i just recommend to you two books of different difficulties so the first one is key bible concepts by david gooden and john lennox it's a nice simple and an easy read and it goes through justification and reconciliation and also many other words in the bible and the second one I want to recommend to you is The Cross of Christ by John Stott. It's maybe, we might say, more of an intermediate one, um, but it is worth the read. It is so encouraging. So thanks for listening. Uh, let me just quickly close in prayer. So Father, we thank you that we have such a loving God that you took the first step in justifying us and reconciling us. Father, we thank you for these two great words. They are um, complex sounding, but they do help us to understand what you did on the cross for us. Father, we thank you for Jesus, who you sent in order to accomplish these things. And we just pray, Father, that we might respond to you. We thank you that everything is completed. We just now need to receive it by faith. Father, we thank you how much of a loving father you are how you want to restore that broken relationship with us. 
that you've brought yourself back to us and are now just waiting on us to respond to you. And Father, we thank you for those of us who have responded, that Father, we, we are eternally secure. Father, help us with any sin and shame that you might just take it away from us. You might free us from that. That we might remember that we are justified and nothing will change it. Father, we thank you that you have reconciled us back to you. That we have that loving relationship. Father, just help us to pursue loving relationships with everyone around us. Father, if there's any damaged friendships and damaged families, then Father, might we take this time to reconcile ourselves back to them. Father, we thank you that you're just an almighty God and one who we are full of praise for, full of appreciation and gratitude. Father, we, we love you and we want to be more like you. And we just thank you that you have declared us to be perfect like your Jesus, your son, because when you looked on him at that cross, you saw our sin and you dealt with it. And now when you look on us, you see your son. Father, how amazing that is. We, we absolutely love you and we praise you for it. And we just pray you would bless our week and just help us as we go through the week. Father, we pray that we might not fall into temptation. But if we do, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he is our amazing defense lawyer. And he has won the case for us and he paid the price. Father, we just thank you. We've got such a loving God. We've got such a loving Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we have an amazing spirit from you, Father, who helps us through our week. Father, we thank you for that. We praise you and we say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just hope that you, you have a good week and you remember you are justified, you are reconciled, and you are